Friends, let's pray. Father, thank you for that gift of your word to us. Thank you for your love towards us. Give us courage this morning as we seek to understand your word to us today. Amen. Friends, I know we're talking about joy, but I want to start by talking about happiness. So perhaps we could lose the title for a minute. What is it that makes you happy? Come on, friends. What is it in life that gives you happiness, that makes you happy? Chocolate. Chocolate, thank you very much. That's the kind of answer I was hoping for. Chocolate makes me happy. Yes, very much so. Children, did somebody say? Children, thank you very much. Sunshine. Sunshine. Indeed. We all enjoy a nice sunshiny day, don't we? Way better than the middle of winter. Because we just do. We're all slightly affected by that. What is it? Seasonal affective disorder or something. Okay, lovely. Anything else gives you, gives you happiness? Friends. Friends, thank you very much. We like, we are humans, we are made to be in relationship with each other. Friendships are very important in a happiness quotient, as it were. Anything else? A good day. What makes for a good day for you? Steve. Okay, things going. Okay, so. I wonder how many words it would be before we got to the jewels. Okay, so a good day for you is like when a plan comes together. So you set out with a plan and it happens. Okay, brilliant. Red wine. Red wine, yes. Yes, red wine makes just families. Can I sense of spring, that sense of joy as we see and we hear birds singing as we see the flowers growing, all those kind of things. Now, apart from the, from the, um, the seasons and stuff, actually, if you think about it, a lot of that stuff about relationships, about food, um, about families, are part of, as it were, the social benefits of being involved in a church community. We can find friends, we can have meals together, and therefore eat food that we haven't cooked necessarily. We can have all of that, and yet there is something very different about joy. This is what um, D.L. Moody said about joy, um, and comparing it with happiness. Um, most of you know D.L. Moody was a 19th... Where was he? He was in the 1850s, 60s uh, in America. Uh, Anyway, he says this. I think there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is caused by things which happen around me and circumstances will mar it. But joy flows right on through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows through all through persecution and opposition. It flows right along. For it is an an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart. A secret spring which the world cannot see and doesn't know anything about. But the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. So joy then, joy for D.L. Moody is, what did he talk about? A perpetual and unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart. Echoes something of that stuff of Jesus talking about, I will give you um, life without end. They're talking to the Samaritan woman. That sense of bubbling up joy, bubbling up life, eternal life with God. And... um, 
It's also, obviously, most of you would will clock this, to fruit of the Spirit. Um, it's one of the elements of the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us. These are not different fruits, these are just the part of what happens when the Spirit lives in us. Love, joy, peace, peace uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Um, and so on. Those, that's part of, the, of what happens when the Spirit lives in us. And yet, we need to say, well, what then is the cause of our joy? And I think I have to say, uh, inevitably, it's Jesus. Um, we had this passage at Christmas, uh, it hit me quite strongly. Then the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And went on to describe to the shepherds how they would find Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and so they went. And they went home praising God for all that they had seen. But Jesus, the cause of great joy for all the people. That's the cause of our joy. Praise God, indeed. Um, and interestingly, um, as a slight aside, really, almost to those who find themselves caught up in giving thanks for God's miraculous intervention in this world, I notice that it's um, Jesus, when the disciples return, when the 72, sorry, return, uh, in Luke chapter 10, um, which runs like this. Oh, that's a bit small, I'm sorry. Um, 70, 72, returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but instead rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then Jesus, at that time full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said um, a prayer. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And it goes on and on. Uh, not on and on, it goes on. Um, but notice that Jesus' calling to there, those 72, was to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that's the same for us, friends. But it's not just that we rejoice because Jesus came to earth. It's not just that we rejoice because Jesus died on a cross. It's that we rejoice because, because of the effect of that, that we can have certainty about our future. When we talk about names that are written in heaven, that's about our name is written in the book of life. That at the judgment day, those that have said their yes to Jesus and made peace with God and have said Jesus is Lord and live that out on this earth... Those people will go to heaven and spend eternity with God in heaven. That's, that's a cause of great rejoicing. And that is never going to change. That's why we can say that whatever happens in life, we can have joy. Because we can know for certain our future and therefore we have a sense of purpose on this earth. Peter put it like this to um, his readers. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven 
in heaven for you, sorry, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And the crucial words are missing off the bottom of the thing. And the next verse starts, In all this you greatly rejoice. In all this you greatly rejoice. The mercy of God, the inheritance kept for you in heaven. That's what Peter is commending his readers for doing. Rejoicing in God's provision. Hence, the reading we did have. Sorry, I just thought I had a... I'm terribly distracted, I'm sorry. thought it was a spider, but it's actually the end of a matchstick. Um... You know, burnt matchstick that's gone all black. Um, where am I? Rejoice always. Yes, our reading today. Um, hence, 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 put Paul even. No, let's go to Paul, Paul at Romans first. Um, Paul talks about this. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. He's been teaching about, um, about eating and drinking and idols and stuff. Uh, and then goes on to say, but... So the kingdom of God is is then a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. And we're called to say in the Lord's Prayer, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are called to be people of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, on account of the Holy Spirit living in us. Hence that call to the Philippians that we've talked about just now. Um, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You heard it just now. But rejoice in the Lord always. Friends, I wonder whether we don't do quite enough rejoicing. Although it's good news, for many people it's old news that we're going to go to heaven that God has redeemed us. But just because it's old news doesn't mean that it's news that we can then just ignore. We're called to be people who rejoice in the Lord. We're called to have an attitude of rejoicing. Now, certainly for Luke, I want to suggest to you that there are two reasons to rejoice. Not just Jesus saying that Jesus in Luke 10 stuff about rejoice that your name is in heaven. But actually, the way Luke relays one of the Beatitudes of Jesus um, suggests that actually persecution and suffering is another cause of joy. So let's have a listen, look at this. This is Luke 6. Blessed are you, said Jesus, when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. And I've been struggling with this a little bit and thinking, but also wondering, actually... Churches that are persecuted tend to be churches that go through great periods of growth. Many, many people are attracted into the church in times 
of persecution. Look, for example, at the church in China. It struggled along when the missionaries were there. They all got kicked out. And, um, and the locals were basically persecuted, lost jobs. And yet, the church grew. And has grown tremendously, way more in terms of percentages than it ever did really under the, uh, under the influence uh, or without, without a persecution. And I wonder whether those churches grow because of that increase of joy in their people. Because they haven't just got the joy that their names are written in heaven, but they've got the joy of this kind of thing because they recognise that there's something about them being counted as worthy. Um, it's Acts 5, which is the next one here, the, the, um, where the apostles were um, told off and beaten and stuff, and they left the Sanhedrin at Acts 5, rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. That is, for the name of Jesus. So, Clearly, it feels not helpful to say, Lord, send persecution, because we want to increase in joy. Because we quite like our comfortable ways. And if God wants to send persecution, he will. However, I wonder whether this stuff about joy is worth pushing on a bit. Because actually, if you think about it, churches, you know, as it were in the West, outside of that whole sense of a persecuted church, churches that tend to grow are churches that are full of joyful people. And people that are joyful in, in these biblical terms are people who understand their relationship with Jesus, who know that there is hope, meaning and purpose in this world because Jesus has died and thus has forgiven us our sins and thus we know that we're going to spend eternity with God in heaven and God has placed his Holy Spirit in us as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come guaranteeing my friends so is it that persecuted, persecuted churches grow because they're persecuted or because they're joyful I wonder, I wonder is it because they're more joyful and if joyful churches grow, and we want to grow, maybe we need to rediscover the joy of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Now, I've been reviewing again some of the learning I, I, I had on sabbatical and um, one of the phrases that I came home and I think I talked about here once or twice was about being acting apostolically. Um, just a bit, bit over hot, are we? Sorry, Bridget, thank you. Um, we can't be apostles. Those were those twelve but we can act like the apostles. And apostles in, an, an apostle in Roman terms 
the apostle in Roman terms was somebody who was the most senior Roman who went to be a carrier of the culture of Rome. So if you um, had taken over a city in, in Rome, uh, you know, if you were Romans and you'd taken over a, a, a heathen city, uh, you would then say, right, let's go and send somebody to recreate the culture of Rome in this foreign land. So to put in straight roads to, you know, to, well, I don't know, organise a, um, a coliseum or whatever it might be, you know, all those kind of characteristics of Roman life. An apostle in a Roman terms was somebody who would be the bringer of that Roman culture to a new city. So where Jesus t- um, commissions his disciples, some of them to be apostles, he was calling them to be culture carriers of the kingdom of God into heathen places. And in the same way, we can act apostolically. We're not, we're not, we're not being apostles, but we can act and be the same kind of people who bring the culture of the kingdom of God to the places where we live, where we go, where we work. And part of that bringing the culture of the kingdom surely is about being people of joy. Being people who understand our relationship with God, understand the certainty of God's love for us, and who choose, therefore, to rejoice. Happiness is a state of being, whereas rejoicing is a verb, it's an action. And we can choose to be people who rejoice that our names are written in heaven, that, our na- that, we, that we rejoice in the Lord. So how we choose to live our time and live our, our, our life, our attitudes, if you like, is incredibly important. But in terms of joy then, we carry joy within us. And actually a bit like laughter, joy is, a, is fairly contagious. And people, and it spills out into the lives of those around us as we live in right relationship with them. Which is a very long way around of saying, friends, let's rejoice in God a bit more. Let's rejoice in all that he's done for us. Come on, let's stand up, let's pray, and we'll rejoice. So friends, I want to give you space to just say to God, thank you for your amazing love to me. You can all speak out at once. God hears up to six billion people at once, seven billion even at the moment. Um, so he'll cope with a hundred or so. So let's go. Let's tell God just how amazing he is and just what he's done for you and say thank you to God for that. Thank you, Lord, for your love towards us. Thank you. We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in all that you've done for us. We rejoice that our names are written in the book of life. That you've sent your spirit to be a deposit. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray indeed that you would give us that courage to live our lives always rejoicing. That you would remind us, even when we're in pain, even 
when your anger seems to be against us. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Father, we thank you for that, that joy that can bubble up a fountain within us, flowing out into our lives. Father, we bless you, we thank you. May we be people of joy. Amen and amen. And Father, we cry out too for those that indeed are persecuted in these days. Those in Eritrea, in Syria, also in Nigeria, who fear gathering this morning because of persecution and opposition, the risk of arrest. Lord, encourage them. Give them great joy that they might be counted worthy of suffering for your name. Bless you, Lord.